Boy, I tell you, we're so blessed. There's so much to be thankful for. And you know what I'm thankful for, Cecil? I'm thankful for Dr. Jonathan <laughs> <and> Sanford. <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> you like that? That's great, dude. Uh, no, seriously. I mean, you, you're a busy guy. You've got, not, in addition to a very challenging role at the University of Dallas as provost, uh, you've got a wife and uh, kids, a big, you got like, is it is it eight or nine kids? Nine kids. Yeah. Nine kids. Yeah. That, that's a busy life. And for you to take 30 minutes once a month to come in here and talk to us, uh, uh, I'm very grateful for it. So that's one of the things I'm grateful for, and uh, Dr. Sanford and I have been communicating through email, and he said in, instead of the regular bringing in a guest, which is typically one of the professors at the University of Dallas to talk about their particular discipline tied into one of the virtues, he said, let's talk about thankfulness and gratitude. Now, why you pick that, I'll never know this <laughs> week, but uh, I'll just leave that up to you. Yep. And he said, let's focus on a question in the Summa, question 106 in the uh, the second part of the second part of the Summa, and uh, gosh, how can I say no to that? That's right. Uh, I knew that would be sufficiently enticing. Dave, so. <laughs> so let me just as we, as we begin this conversation, and I'm really excited about this. Let's talk about you and how that spark of love of philosophy and particularly St. Thomas Aquinas began. Was it something you thought about in high school when you were younger or was it not until you got to college or when, when did you start becoming interested in philosophy? That's a, yeah. Um, when I was born, so, no, I mean, all men by nature desire to know. Um, those are the opening lines of, of Aristotle's metaphysics. So I, I, I was blessed with a, a really wonderful education. I went to a, a classical education, um, uh, seven through 12, that was inspiring in many ways. I didn't know it was specifically philosophy that that um, I would end up with, but I I loved the study of humanities. I loved the study of languages. Um, I I used to try to write poetry. I used to to work on other creative fiction. Uh, so I I was inspired to to pursue the good, true, and beautiful in mm-hmm. in my studies. And um, when I was in um, college. I would say the thing that I, I, I didn't start out as a philosophy major. I was a, a classical language um, major, and I persisted in that. But I had a second major in English literature. And um, I, I found that what I really appreciated about the philosophy classes that I took in the core curriculum that I had was the fact that I could argue with my professors, and um, <laughs> that was not problematic. That is to yeah. say... Argumentation is a good thing. Argumentation yeah. is a good thing. Yeah. And and the fact that, that the common currency in the in the classroom was the validity of your argument and, mm-hmm. and then the soundness of your of your premises. And that really attracted me, right? And so um, I almost went to law school and decided at the last minute to to go to uh, graduate school in philosophy. I studied a lot of ancient Greek philosophy as well as some contemporary philosophy. I was particularly interested in the background of John Paul II's thought. And so I, I studied a fair bit of early phenomenology. But, of course, John Paul II was also a, a great Thomist scholar. And mm-hmm. it wasn't really towards the, the tail end of my studies that I I um, uh, became more deeply interested in the thought of St. Thomas Aquinas. In part, that's because... He had not been presented well to me in some of the classes I had before. The the idea was that St. Thomas's thought was was in a way fabricated, wasn't really engaging, wasn't wasn't interactive. This was a this was a, a misperception of his thought based in part on on uh, some of my professors' view of of handbook Thomism, which was popular in the 40s and 50s and 60s. 
um, although there's a lot of good in those handbooks. Mm-hmm. But that's when they try to distill it into a, a right. smaller form that's more digestible to most people, right? That's, that's right. But then when I actually started reading a lot of St. Thomas Aquinas's thought, I was blown away mm-hmm. at how engaged he is with the, the thought of those with whom he disagrees. He he, um, as an interpreter of Aristotle, and I, I had really done a lot of work on on Aristotle's thought. Um, his uh, Aquinas's commentaries are remarkably yeah. faithful, and um, those who are not themselves Catholics or or even consider themselves students of Aquinas's thought in general look to his commentaries, and for good reasons, right? So he's he's a he's a great scholar. But I also there was a, a point in my own philosophical um, career where I, I felt a bit aimless and. And I decided to adopt St. Thomas Aquinas as my patron saint and um, invoked him as finding some way to combine my my love for the life of the mind with my love for the faith to integrate the two and, mm-hmm. and become a whole thing instead of a, a bifurcated being. That's a bit dramatic sounding, but I, mm-hmm. I felt that yeah. way somewhat because yeah. when you're in graduate school, you're just occupied in reading and writing and 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 the life of the mind. So, yeah. Yeah, very good. And, uh, you know, one of the things that made me really interested in the, the Summa was reading Pope Leo Thirteenth. I talk about it all the time. Eternity Patris, The Restoration mm-hmm. of Christian Philosophy According to the Mind of St. Thomas Aquinas. And uh, I think it was 1879 he wrote this before, you know, Hollywood and television and movies and Internet and all that. And he said, the, basically, he said, the problem we have right now in our culture is that bad philosophy has seeped into schools and entertainment and media. And uh, we need to get back to Aquinas. And mm-hmm. when I read that, I thought, wow, that, that, this is a, a pope telling us that uh, we need to get back to some solid philosophy. And, and his solution was uh, the Summa. Right. And so do you, do you think to what degree has the goal of Leo XIII and Eterni Patris been uh, accomplished, especially in higher education and Catholic universities? Um, to what extent? Well, it, it varies significantly, and depending on the institution. Um, uh, but I, I would say there has been a revival in in the thought of St. Thomas Aquinas, a revival in a, a deep appreciation of the sources themselves. And um, we've got English translations that continue to be made, wonderful commentaries that come out. In just the last 15 years or so, there's been a... a, a, a Influx of of works on Aquinas's treatment of the habits and the passions and the virtues. Um, that's been a, a major area. And then he's been a, a great inspiration for Catholic philosophers to um, to think about what it is to do philosophy, mm-hmm. right? So there's there's this Socratic notion that philosophy is a way of living and. It's, it's interesting, Aquinas himself wouldn't have described himself as a philosopher. He was a theologian, mm-hmm. and, and the Summa Theologiae is it's a sum of theology. Now, yeah. he, he does recognize that natural reason has its, its particular sphere, but, but he's engaged in a, a comprehensive work that's, that's um, uh, theological in character. And it's not as though you're plucking out philosophical reasoning, but, but his, his approach to theology is philosophical theology or mm-hmm. theological philosophy. And, and there's been a lot of uh, reflection upon what that means and, and how it is that one is to engage in, um, philosophical thought as a, as a believer. Um, and uh, it's not just Catholics who've, who've been inspired by, uh, the, the approach of St. Thomas Aquinas, but, but uh, many Protestant and Jewish thinkers as well. Mm-hmm. So, 
So the the um, you know there have been several luminaries through the 20th century. Um, Jacques Maritain, um, Etienne Gilson, in in the early years. Um, and still today, there are many wonderful Thomas philosophers. So I would say sprinkled across Catholic universities, um, you've got some um, uh, um, Thomas philosophers in nearly every department mm-hmm. that I that I know of. But yeah. it's not as though that's the only approach to philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Interesting you say that that he was more more a theologian than a philosopher. He didn't call it the Summa Philosophia. He called that's it right. the Summa Theologica. And that's so right. that, that's interesting. It's a good point. All right, uh, Dr. Jonathan Sanford's my guest, and we're going to talk about uh, Aquinas's treatment of thankfulness and gratitude. But a couple more quick questions, if I may, on the, kind of the, the the broader scope. If you're on, I'm put you on the spot here a little bit. Okay. You're in an elevator, and you've got 30 seconds to answer, and a guy next to you says, Dr. Sanford, you're a philosophy major, and you're a Thomist. Uh, what's, what's, what's the Summa Theologia about? And you've got 30 seconds to answer, and you can't get into a lot of description. What would you say? Wow, 30 seconds. I would say it's, it's about reflecting upon God, everything that, that comes from God, and how those rational beings who have come forth from God can make their way back to him. Okay. Yeah. Exodus and ready to us and that's that whole right. thing. Yeah, that's what I typically say. I say, you know, it's about coming to know God and, and there are various ways we can do that, which uh, to me changes the way I, I, I see the world. It changes mm-hmm. the way I see nature, the way I, I the, 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 the sacraments and, uh, you know, all the different ways that God is trying to draw us back to himself. And uh, as we, as we kind of move into, and by the way, if you have any question, um, and you'd like to talk to us or any, any question at any level, whether you have a, Ph.D. in philosophy, or this is the first time you've ever even heard of this, Summa Theologia, you can give us a call, 877-757-9424. Don't forget, tell Sissel, call that number, tell her what you're thankful for, and uh, I'm going to send you Mother Angelica's Praying with Mother Angelica, Meditations on the Rosary, the Way of the Cross, and other prayers. And the the overarching uh, kind of structure of the Summa, mm-hmm. Uh, as we get into this thankfulness and gratitude, which is in the second part of the second part. Uh, first part, I, I, what I describe it as is he kind of introducing God, that he exists, who he is, the angels, the nature of man. We're getting into, uh, you know, uh, a number of kind of preliminary, not preliminary, very important things, but kind of mm-hmm. setting the stage. But right. really in the second part, getting into the practicalities of life, the virtues, the vices, the habits, right? And so in the midst of this, and especially in the second part of the second part, where he's, he's going methodically through the four cardinal virtues mm-hmm. and all the virtues and even the vices that are in, uh, mm-hmm. in accord or in opposed to them. And so right. third part of the Summa, Jesus Christ, the sacraments, the last things. Right. And so right in the middle, we kind of basically have how is one to live their life. Right. And in the midst of that, a big second on, section on justice in which we find thankfulness and gratitude. That's right. So anything you want to add to that as far as the structure? No, I, I think you've, you've captured it well. I mean, it, it, uh, he begins with, with, um, God and what we can know about God and what we can't know about God. Mm-hmm. Right? So one of the interesting things he says is, is, uh, we can't know God in his essence in this life, right? Yeah. But we can know that he exists because of, uh, tracing from the effects of God to the cause, but and then and then in succession, things that follow from God, the whole created order, and that's how he gets into a discussion of of man and every other element of the created order as he understood it. Right, the first part of the second part, first he treats of happiness, 
then he treats of the structures of um, the mind and will. And then he's got a, an analysis of, of the moral act. Then he's got a treatment of the passions and then habits and then the virtues mm-hmm. all the way up into a consideration of, of law. So that's many people regard that as sort of the pure philosophical portion of of the, the Summa Theologiae. He does not get into the theological virtues there. He treats of of the virtues in a, a relatively brief fashion mm-hmm. in overview, that first right? That's right, yeah. kind of an yeah. overview. And then in the the beginning of the the second part of the second part, um, he looks at at first faith, then hope, then charity, and um, and then he returns to the four cardinal virtues, and he argues that all of the other virtues are relatable or reducible. Um, to the four cardinal virtues. Mm-hmm. But there I would say he's explicitly endorsing a theological approach because even the treatment of justice in that part of the second part of the second part of the Summa is resting on the treatment of charity. And seen from a, a certain perspective, charity is a is a, a further perfection of of justice. Mm-hmm. You know, we're sort of beyond mere exchange into the realm of gift. And that's that's where we find ourselves thinking about this this virtue of gratitude, which is in question 106 of the second part of the second part. Yeah, six articles in this question, uh, and you want to just kind of go one by one and give us a little overview about uh, what he says, or how do you want to take this? He starts off saying whether thankfulness is a special virtue distinct from other virtues, so he's saying, okay, is there something unique about thankfulness, That's and right. uh, what, 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 how does he uh, respond to that? Yeah, well, he, he does indeed argue that it's that it's a unique virtue, and the the um, what what makes it unique is the fact that it is in response to a um, um, a particular obligation that we have right so in in that first that first article he he actually articulates you might call it um, or I, I call it the the order of gratitude mm-hmm. right so he says that all great gifts come from God um, and um, to God we owe a, a, a particular um, uh, expression of justice, which he calls religion, which is not the way we always think about religion, but but religion is what we owe to God as our thanks to Him, and um, and then he identifies fathers, or we could generalize and say parents, and to them we owe piety, um, which is an expression in general of of gratitude, but um, it's a it's an obligation that we have, irrespectable irrespective of any kind of of choice that we've made, right? Um, and then he mentions moral exemplars or those those who inspire us to um, uh, obedience to their example, right? So what's interesting about those first three examples of um, uh, beings to whom we owe gratitude of one sort or another is that those are debts that we can never repay, mm. Right. Um, and and here's where where I think the the um, the insight of, of Aquinas is particularly significant. And, and you know, I wouldn't just look at 106 in order to, to pull this together. But but there's there is um, if, if you think of this notion of debt. Right. Um, debt is something you want to get out of. And in fact, in, in in the not so distant past, if you were in debt to someone, they could put you in prison if you mm. didn't pay off your debt. In time, right? So there's debtors' prisons. Um, we don't want to be in debt, and yet Aquinas is saying that what's fundamental to your individual being 
is that you are in eternal debt to God mm. for your 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 very self and all your gifts and your talents. You're in debt to your parents because of the life that they gave you, even if they were terrible parents. You yeah. know, you owe them a certain honor. Yeah, you owe them your, a your very honor. existence. Yeah, that's right. And then moral exemplars who inspire you, who give you an example to follow. Um, you're in eternal debt to to them. So rather than enslaving us, these kinds of debts liberate us because they provide the very structure of the kind of choices we need to make, right? Um, what would be absolutely paralyzing and enslaving would be if you thought that it was entirely up to you what you owed to others, mm. what in particular you owed to God or to your parents or to others who've who've been benefactors to you, right? So a fourth category of, of um, persons to whom we owe gratitude are, he just says, generally benefactors. So your teachers, your coaches, your, your co-workers who might um, uh, do a favor for you to help you complete a project, right? We we owe thanks to each of these, but you know the coworker who helps you with a project, you can say, well, thank you, and there you kind of you, maybe you've you've completed the cycle of exchange, right? But again, when it comes to your parents or when it comes to God, you're you're never done mm. with that exchange, right? But it, it that the 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 um, Irremediability of that kind of debt is what points you in the right direction as you yearn to do righteous deeds throughout your life. Yeah. You're propelled, so to speak, by your effort to give thanks for the great good that your life is and that each of your, your, uh, your gifts and talents are. That's Even an interesting perspective, because most of the time when people think of religion, they think of organized religion. They think, I go to a church on Sunday, I'm part of the Catholic Church, and, you know, there's this movement a while back where people would say, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Mm-hmm. Uh, for I would think what you're saying is religion has to do with the virtue of Thanksgiving, right? It has That's to right. do with realizing what you just talked about is that there are certain things that we've received we, that we can never pay back. That's right. And we're in a good debt. That's and right. the only response to that is thankfulness, that's right? right? And that's, that's right. how we kind of even the scales a little bit is in our own sense of gratitude, which ends up making us very happy, right? That's right. Yeah, I mean, th- this is this is um, one of the insights that that Aquinas actually uh, provides here in in the reflection on ingratitude is is there's a you know there there is a kind of joy that comes. In the expression of gratitude, I mean, there's joy that comes from the exercising of any virtue. Mm-hmm. But um, as as we know from personal experience, those who who tend to be grateful for their lives or the lives of those with whom they interact on a regular basis, they they tend to be more cheerful people, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's not it's not necessarily that they're they're cloying optimists or or something like that it's a different kind of cheerfulness right it's 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 an affirmation of the goodness of their life an affirmation of the goodness of other people's lives and a recognition that they're a gift these other people are a gift that gift comes from a gift giver that gift giver is god and he deserves our praise he deserves our um, expression of of thanks Mm -hmm. and you can make of your entire life then an expression of thanks to god
Yeah, let me tie it in. It's a thank you for that explanation. That was outstanding. It gives me a whole new perspective on uh, what we're talking about uh, this week and Thanksgiving. What would be your advice? And we have about two minutes remaining for people in the midst of, like I said, a crazy year and a lot of things going on, and all of our you know routines have been disrupted, and you know many people have gotten sick, and uh, to just uh, you know as you're with your family Thursday, God willing, you know to have this attitude of gratitude. Uh, well, from a practical standpoint, Standpoint, what would you suggest? Yeah, um, well, everyone, every circumstance is different, right? And and people are hurting. And um, but the fact that we are alive, uh, the fact that that we we have some other with whom to celebrate this this great national holiday of Thanksgiving is reason for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And and yeah, I was thinking about gratitude with respect to to our country, right? Which Thanksgiving is is an expression of. Um and and in a way our country is is relatable to us analogically like our parents are, right? I mean, we're we're born into a particular country. And we we owe that country thanks. We we tend to to call that thanks patriotism mm-hmm. um, or piety with that yeah, fondness. Yeah, a kind, yeah. A kind yeah. of piety, um, but a, a kind of piety that I can th- you can think of as yeah. as a patriotism. But that doesn't mean that you think it's right in every respect, right? So there's a way to be grateful without minimizing the the challenges, um, but. Um, I, I think it, I think it begins in in the affirmation of the goodness of your own life yeah. and recognizing that as a gift. Yeah. Um, and um, well, I think it's, you've shown the the how some pretty heady teachings of Aquinas can be brought down to a, a low level and be very practical in our life, and it comes down to just being grateful for what we've been given uh, that we can never repay. And I, I appreciate that explanation. That was very good. Thank you. Well, thank you. And uh, time is out. It goes so fast. That you was know? very that fast. That was very fast. Cecil uh, was back there taking notes, by the way. And so there's going to be a 10-answer question quiz here afterwards uh, with Professor uh, Sanford, okay? Anyways, thanks uh, to Cecil. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, if you still want one of these uh, Praying with Mother Angelica books, you can call us even a few minutes after the show ends and claim yours because, uh, hey, I want to say thank you for listening to the show and supporting this network. Uh, phone number, again, 877-757-9424. And if you want to learn more about the University of Dallas, Go to udallas.edu, and I hope you and uh, Rebecca and the, the, the big family have a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving. Well, thank you. Same to you and yours, Dave. Thanks for making me part of your show.